Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the FT Money Show from Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's programme, interest rates cut again, so why aren't mortgage borrowers getting the benefit? Liquid assets, what's the commodity that a range of new funds are now investing in? Locked out, investors in commercial property funds threaten legal action after being denied access to their own money. And we have some good news and bad news on savings accounts. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleague from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And from Investors Chronicle, John McLeod. Hello. Hello to you both. So let's start then with the uh, the money news this week. Um, the Bank of England has cut the base rate uh, by another quarter of a percent. Uh, so that's from 5.25% down to 5% now. The third cut that we've seen um, since early December, but it looks like mortgage borrowers are unlikely to see an awful lot of benefit because the rates that are being charged on the high street seem to be you know, moving against the general direction of base rates in recent times. I think Money Supermarket found that uh, you know, two-year fixed rates decreased by only 0.12 percent uh, between the beginning of February and the start of March, and uh, and, and some have risen sharply since. So we've seen Halifax introduce um, tiered uh, rates with higher rates for homeowners borrowing a higher percentage of their property's value. Um, So, Steve, I suppose the question that all homeowners, especially new borrowers, are asking is, what on earth is going on? Well, indeed, Matthew, but but let's make a clear distinction here between existing borrowers, people with mortgages already, and new ones. For existing borrowers, trackers, I put my hand up, this is great news, this base rate cut. Because you've got a tracker. I've got you? a tracker. So 0.25 off base rate equals 0.25 off my base rate, off my mortgage costs. Yeah. Um, quite a lot of people have trackers nowadays. Um, people who have discounted mortgages, this is again existing borrowers, they stand to benefit as well. The Halifax was very quick to announce a 0.25% cut in its standard variable rates. So if you're paying its standard variable rates or a discount off that standard variable rate already, then again you'll see the 0.25. Then you've got half of existing borrowers who are on fixes, of course, who there's no change. That's, yeah. that's what they signed up to. Fine, yeah. they got the fixed rates. And largely, of course, those fixed rates cheap. Then you come on to exactly this bizarre issue that at a time when base rates are falling, 
all we hear is mortgage rates going up. You're absolutely right. High street rates for new borrowers, and that includes, of course, remember, people who are coming to the end of old deals who want to take out a new deal, a new remortgage deal, or want to borrow more money and, and, and switch products and so on. Those rates are much higher. A typical tracker rate now um, is at least a percent over base, whereas um, people who've already, uh, for, for new trackers, for people who've already got trackers who are benefiting from this base rate cut, we're very often already paying below base rates. Um, similarly on fixed rates as well. So you've got this, again, this bizarre situation where uh, the, the, the fixed rates on offer there at the front of the shop window go up the day that, uh, that base rates come down. And that seems to be exactly what, what happened um, earlier this week. On, the, you know, on, the, on Thursday when the Bank of England made its announcement at midday, we'd already seen two lenders increase their rates that morning. Mm, mm. It's almost unheard of. It is. And what you're seeing in the whole market, I think, is this massive divergence between one extreme, some existing borrowers are still paying under under 4% in some cases they'll be paying. If if you were lucky enough to lock into one of those very, remember those very low-cost fixes of a few years ago. At the other extreme, people taking out mortgages now, you're paying, it's six and something. Well, it is. In fact, those two... um, Lenders um, that I mentioned who announced increased rates on the same day as the base rate cut were Alliance and Leicester and, uh, and Nationwide. And I think Nationwide's two-year fixes now are 6.8%, mm-hmm. if, if, you're, if you're borrowing 95%. Yeah, or remortgaging. Uh, or whatever, or exactly, yeah. remortgaging, 63 if you've got a 10% deposit. Yes. Um, but still 6.1%, even if you're putting yeah. down 25%. Yeah. As a deposit. Now, it's worth remembering as well the, the potential knock-on effects of this uh, for the housing market. We've already got a softening housing market where, you know, sentiment in the housing market has, hasn't been so negative since, well, you have to go back to the early 90s recession, of course. So you've got, you've got people who are already struggling with mortgage payments who are facing payment shock when they come to the end of the deal and moving into, as we say, moving possibly from 4 to 6%, that sort of order. Payments of, of rising by 50%, even at the time base rates come. But new borrowers, new home buyers, what on earth are they meant to think? They think, well, I'm not, I'm not going to buy that property anyway because property prices are falling. And, he, and, and here's another reason not to do that, because the costs of actually servicing that loan are going up. Exactly, and uh, millions of people in that position and I think one and a half million people remortgaging this year. Just um, just lastly, um, I think we've all seen the headline grabbing offer from HSBC to match the, um, uh, the fixed rate that anyone's coming off if they remortgage with HSBC. Mm. Um, not quite as good as it looks uh, though. I don't know, have you seen what the, some of the catches are? Well, I've heard of some of the catches. I, I, don't you need a loan to value a, a certain amount of equity? You have to, yeah. You have to be borrowing no more than eighty percent of yes. the property's value. Um, there's I a w- maximum advance yes. of two hundred and fifty thousand hmm. um, pounds. But if, you, uh, but depending on uh, on how much you're borrowing uh, and the amount of equity in your property, you could pay a fee. Mm. of up to £4,000. Well, exactly, you see. I mean, this is the key point in the mortgage market. It's, it's not just the rate. 
it's increasingly in recent years, it's become the fees you pay to get into the mortgage deal, which, as you rightly say, can be thousands of pounds. It's the, then it's the rate you're paying during that time and how that rate can change. And as we've seen, rates can change in slightly bizarre ways. And then it's how long you're locked in for and how you get out at the other end. Do you have penalties at the other end? So um, I don't think HSBC is guilty of all those sins, if you like, in the mortgage market. But what it means is it ain't just the rate. That's right. I mean, the HSBC deal could be attractive for a number of people remortgaging, and it's, yeah. and it's certainly stolen the march on its uh, competitors, but you've got to look, as you say, at all of those costs. Um, and, in fact, you can read um, the FT Money uh, Remortgage Survival Guide in the weekend FT uh, on the 12th and 13th of April and online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come, commercial property funds, did they illegally prevent investors from withdrawing their money? And we have some good news and bad news on savings rates. But first, commodity investments. Investors have been taking a keen interest in commodities recently, attracted by rampant price rises in oil, gold, metals and food. Here's a question for you. Uh, Back in 2002, which liquid commodity became more expensive than milk or even petrol? Well, you'll be surprised perhaps to hear that the answer was water. So there's now a small but growing number of funds which offer exposure to blue gold, uh, as it's now known. To find out how good an investment water may be, uh, John uh, spoke to Ian Sim, who's manager of the Investment Trust Impacts Environmental Markets. And he began by asking him what drivers are boosting returns for water companies. I think this is one of the most interesting uh, investment themes uh, of the moment, Obviously, with um, populations rising and living standards growing, then uh, there's an inexorable demand for, for clean water all around the world. This really is a global theme. Um, I think at the same time, of course, the, the rainfall that ultimately provides that most of that water is um, is more and more erratic. You've got um, sustained droughts in places like Australia, southern Europe, and the southeast part of the US. Um, and yet, um, just in northern Europe, for example, um, real problems with excess rainfall, flooding, etc., so um, rising demand, um, uncertain supply, the infrastructure that uh, delivers the water to uh, the point of use is, is crumbling in much of the world. I think um, in London we use, or we lose rather, um, between 30 and 35% um, of the water between the reservoir and the, the tap. And um, Thames Water is, is trying to repair that at the moment, but it's going to take a long time and a lot of money. Um, and... Um, at the same time, uh, industry is getting increasingly demanding for uh, cleaner and cleaner water. Um, and we found over the last few decades that um, uh, getting rid of all the um, inorganic and um, disease-type uh, pollutants in, in water is uh, increasingly difficult. can't just be removed by conventional chlorine um, in sewage treatment works and needs to uh, have additional physical treatment. So that's... Uh, a real opportunity for, for capital expenditure. And so obviously legislation is quite important in, in setting these standards as well. Yes, I mean, fundamentally this this is a sector which is, is driven by legislation either at the national level or at the, the local level. So the uh, the utilities themselves and also the high growth um, um, supplies of, of technology and services into those utilities are dependent on the evolution of, of regulations. Um, but regulations are um, relatively stable and predictable in this space. Uh, the European Union, you've got the Water Framework Directive, which uh, lays out um, a very clear set of targets for, for 2015. Uh, and there's a plethora of, um, of legislative um, components.
US where you've got um, something like 50,000 uh, separately um, incorporated and I think largely publicly owned um, mini water utilities that are are um, outsourcing their services um, and there's a lot of sort of legislative change around how um, those groups are going to develop. So it's a, it's a very dynamic and a complex area, which is, is great for investment managers who like to sort of get into the detail. And because of the legislation side of things, does, do, and and the kind of long-term drivers behind it with population growth and so on, does that mean that the water is a relatively defensive area that could be immune from a kind of wider wider recession? I think it's traditional to think of utilities as being a defensive play, and um, I think we would still um, sign up to that idea that, that water utilities are, by and large, defensive. Um, the other aspect of, of the water space, which is a sort of the high growth technology and service providers that I mentioned, um, uh, of course, will benefit from the defensive characteristics that the utilities are offering, i.e. sort of spend expenditure um, backed up by legislation. However, those growth companies are also typically selling into industry. Um, so you've got to be a bit careful that um, you're not indirectly getting exposure to the business cycle there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting mix. And how do you see valuations are looking? Is this a good time to be investing? Well, I think over the last few months, um, obviously, valuations across the, the market, the stock market, have come down considerably, and um, we're quite excited because we we see that um, across the environmental space that we invest in, the valuations are as low as they've ever been um, over the six years that we've been running um, our investment trust, for example. And um, in the water space, I think that the same uh, feature is is um, is there to see. So you've you've got growth rates of earnings of sort of 12 to 15 percent per annum. Uh, expected for the foreseeable future, and uh, yet valuations are on PE ratios of sort of between 10 and 13, 14 um, uh, times. So um, that is uh, quite an interesting sort of um, signal that um, it's worth committing money at this stage. That was John talking to Ian Sim of Impacts Environmental Markets. Um, so, John, are investment trusts the best way for UK investors to gain exposure to water? At the moment, there are three main investment trusts which offer exposure. There's Impacts, that's been going for about five years. Um, it's a sort of specialist in, in this space. There's Utilico and it's Ecofin. But all of these are, are diversified, Impacts into other environmental technologies, Ecofin and Utilico into other utilities. There are also open-ended funds, green investment funds that invest in green technologies, which have some exposure, and the climate change funds, again, take exposure. Some of them might use quite odd plays in water, such as fertilisers, which boost productivity where there's a shortage of water. But there are also some offshore funds that you can use as well. Oh, right, so let's look a little bit further afield outside of uh, the UK. Um, I mean, are there any sort of pure play dedicated water funds outside of this country? There are. They seem to be mostly based on the continent, but you, you can buy them as a UK investor. Um, the, the biggest one is Pictet. Credit Agricole have just launched a fund in the space. Um, but one thing you have to watch out for is minimum investment sizes, which can be quite large. And if you, um, uh, you know, looking to reduce charges, you, you, know, you don't necessarily want to pay for, for active management, for a fund manager to go out and pick water companies or related uh, uh, companies in in these industries, are there any index tracking uh, funds or you know, exchange traded funds, for example? There, there, there are three ETFs now. One just launched at the beginning of, of April, that from from Lixor, and there are also funds from um, PowerShares, which is from Invesco, and from iShares, and those called baskets of water companies. So you're not getting active management, but the charges are cheap, around about 06 percent. So that can give you very cost-effective exposure to water funds. Um, uh, Steve, do, you know, do, do you? Uh, 
um, by the argument that water is becoming the ultimate commodity, the most sought-after substance on Earth? Well, Matthew, I think it's something of a distraction. You often get these kind of... this. M- diversified marketing from investment management firms, either in bull markets or you get them in bear markets. Bull markets because people have got everything, so let's invent something else for people to invest in. In bear markets, they won't invest in core markets, so let's find something completely unusual, call it uncorrelated or call it a kind of secular story or something and get people to invest in there. It seems to me that, I mean, if people are going to invest in these things, it's a small part of the portfolio, um, but they, they probably want to be spending far more time Deciding whether it's cash or stock markets, simple as that. But but you know, commodities can you know can play a, an, an important part. I mean, you mentioned uncorrelated nature yeah. of certain assets. I mean, John, uh, um, you've looked into these uh, these water funds. I mean, do, do you think that they they do offer uncorrelated uh, returns compared with Western equity markets? I think I think there could be some diversification because of the long the long term drivers of population growth, and you can get quite a lot of diversification between different types of technologies as well. Um, one of the, one thing you mentioned when I spoke to him was that um, the correlation between alternative energy and water and waste combined is just point three. It's just point three. That's sort of thirty percent correlation. So quite a lot of diversification in that space. But Steve's right; these are specialist niche areas. So people are talking about maybe two and a half five percent of your portfolio as a kind of sensible holding. Well, John, thank you very much um, for that. And if you'd like to know more about uh, the water funds uh, that John has uh, just mentioned, you can read his article in the Investors Chronicle, which uh, will be on sale from Friday the 18th of April. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on savings accounts. Before that, though, commercial property funds. Private investors poured a flood of cash into commercial property in recent years with inflows peaking at £2.5 billion in the first six months of 2007, according to figures from the Association of Real Estate Funds. But of course, sentiment towards the sector soured last year as the credit squeeze took hold and the average UK commercial property fund is down 17.2% in the past year, according to data from Trustnet. And that led many funds, including those managed by AXA, Scottish Equitable, Friends Providence, Scottish Widows and Close Investments, to impose a freeze on withdrawals and slash the value of the assets uh, in their funds as property prices fell. So now a number of retail investors are believed to be planning legal action in a bid to recover their losses. Do they stand a chance? Well, to find out, um, I spoke to the journalist who broke this story, Steve Johnson of FTFM. So, Steve, on what grounds are these private investors looking to sue the commercial property fund managers? Um, essentially, there seem to be three uh, main issues that some investors are looking at. Uh, firstly, there was the freeze on redemptions that many of the fund managers uh, apply to their funds, typically of a six-month duration. Um, it's believed that uh, the number of investors believe that they were not made aware uh, that uh, the such freezes and lock-ins could be imposed. Um, secondly, there's the issue of... The, the way in which the fund management companies reduced the, the asset values of the holdings of the funds. Clearly, some reductions had to be made because commercial property valuations uh, have been falling in recent months. But the, the actual mechanism that the fund managers used may not be uh, crystal clear. Thirdly, some investors are believed to have uh, attempted to uh, redeem their money before these funds uh, imposed their, their lock-ins. But for whatever reason, those sell orders were not uh, finalised in time. So it sounds as if some people were trying to get their money out but weren't able to. Um, it, is this then like other mis-selling um, cases that we've seen in, 
you know, financial services over the years, endowments, pensions, that sort of thing? Uh, potentially. It's, it's too early to say, to be honest. But uh, even, even at the height of uh, last summer, when we were seeing uh, very heavy inflows uh, into property funds, there were people at the time saying this, this had uh, potentially uh, mis-selling written all over it. But it's too early to, to, to say uh, wh- whether any of these cases will actually stand up in a, in a course of law. One important point, though, is that uh, all of these, all of these uh, property funds will have said in their prospectuses that they had the, uh, the, the right to uh, limit redemptions uh, from their funds in certain, some circumstances. However, it is not 100% clear that that in itself will be enough to protect them from legal action. Uh, just, putting that, uh, just mentioning that uh, particular device in the small print may not be considered to be, to be adequate by the, the various regulators. So that may not be a defence for the um, commercial property fund managers. If any listeners were invested in a commercial property fund last year and they tried to get their money out and uh, uh, found they couldn't, what should they do in the first instance now if they think they might have grounds for a complaint? The first step would be to approach uh, either the fund management company uh, or the advisor that you used if you took advice in, uh, in making your purchase. Um, seek redress with them. Uh, if you're not satisfied with the response you feel, you should then approach the financial ombudsman. That was Steve Johnson of FTFM. And, uh, John, th- this whole business of private investors going into commercial property funds, as they did in their thousands last year, I mean, do you think they were made fully aware of the you know, potential for being locked in, so to speak? It's hard to say. I mean, th- th- this is a risk that was growing for some time because property funders used to have to keep a minimum of 20% of their assets in liquid assets such as cash or property shares so they could be sold to provide redemptions. The rules were then changed, allowing funders to invest up to 100% of their assets in property. But doing that creates a risk, a liquidity risk. So the question is, if you're an investor and bought a property fund recently, did your advisor tell you there could be a lock-in period? And did they also warn you that property could be at the top of the market? They were being sold as a diversifier, but were people being told these, it's bricks and mortar, it's safe? Or were they being told that there could be some risk? And that, that of course, is, is the other factor here. Not only were um, investors finding themselves locked in, or certainly finding it very difficult to get their money out, the property funds were revaluing themselves as, as prices fell and so um, you know, prices b- being slashed investors were, were getting what the fund manager was telling them the assets were worth If you got to it last year when people started to get worried about this, if you got it right at the start you probably made a good, good decision but now people are saying with values down you said 17% in the open-ended funds and in the investment trust the discounts are widened further than that than significant, significant falls in the quarters equities, maybe it's not the time to, maybe it's too late to sell now really hmm. Well we will uh, come back to this story. We, we'll, we have a uh, follow-up piece in uh, FT Money, which is uh, out on the 12th and 13th of April. And you can read more about uh, commercial property funds at ft.com forward slash your money forward slash investments. And finally today, it's good news, bad news on savings accounts. Now, Steve, presumably um, we've seen interest rates cut uh, this week. Uh, That's bad news for anyone with a savings account, isn't it? Well, it's generally bad news, of course. Savings rates tend to follow base rates down. Now, it's particularly bad news for people in old accounts, the ones that banks would rather you and building sites would rather forget that you forgot you held, um, is what's called the back book. But it's good news 
for uh, it's, it's relatively good news, i.e. you're not suffering the cuts. For anyone who's active, who's got new savings, possibly someone taking out a new cash ISA, a fixed rate. Now, competition driven by the credit crisis, banks' difficulty in raising funds, wholesale markets, they've gone back to retail savers. They're still offering 6% plus. 6% plus, whether it's on fixed rates or variable rates, um, for those new accounts they're launching. And we're also seeing an extra element of this competitive impetus, if you like, in the new tax year for ISA money, cash ISA money, because the banks and building societies that try to get you to sign up to cash ISAs at the end of the tax year try to effectively keep the thing going for a few weeks. So maintain momentum, so, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so... Earlier this week, at least, there was a there was a cash ISA, fixed rate cash ISA, albeit for six months, paying six and a half percent. Six and a half. Six and a half. That's been virtually unheard of for six months. For six months, and there are still a number paying six and a quarter for a year. Now, and and similarly on a variable rate, you can get you know that six six and six and a bit. Obviously, some of those have bonuses and all the rest of it. But the the, the way to protect yourself, of course, against. Um, uh, the base rate undermining, if you like, is obviously to go for the fixed rates. And that's true, of course, and has been true since the credit crisis broke um, with fixed rates generally. Um, you'll recall that we, we, we late last year we were writing about fixed rate bonds paying even over 7%, that's 7, right. 7, yeah. 7, 5. Yeah. They tend to just come and go, you know, they're very just are available for a few days, and that's still the case. So, so the argument's got to be, if you want to lock into a fixed rate, whether it's a cash ISA, and good time, you know, new tax year, you know, you might as well ring fence your interest from tax, or a fixed rate bond, get in there quick um, before the base rate effect uh, kicks in. Um, but generally, um, the argument is remain active with your savings. This is a fabulous time to be a saver despite base rates falling, because of banks and building societies' need for funds. But you do have to remain active so that what they're going to do is they're going to push the best of the fruit to the front of the store and you'll be left with the rotten old stuff if you don't pay attention at the back. Right. Yeah, let's not be left with the rotten old stuff. But we live in strange times. The, the bank cuts, uh, Bank of England cuts interest rates and savings rates and mortgage rates remain high. Very odd. Take advantage of it while you can, I think, would be uh, the message. Well, that's all we've got time for in this week's uh, FT Money Show. Remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com and we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve and John. Goodbye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.